Welcome to the Bunyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the National Signing Day edition of the Yard Man and Mixed Bag today. But a lot of Bulldog fans certainly have a better taste in their mouth because here's the deal. I've been doing this a long time, and uh, you know, really for the last 15 years or so, we have not been able to really enjoy signing day. Because even if we get, you know, 25 of 26, we spend the rest of the day, you know, kind of lamenting the loss of the one we didn't get. You know, last year for the class of 2020, it's the first time we were able to get into signing day in December and not lose somebody. We made up for that today. The last 36 hours have been very, very difficult on Bulldog recruiting fans. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, recruiting to lifeblood of your program. And so... It impacts your ability to put a quality product on the field. And so a lot of these feelings, you know, are well served. So we're going to talk about what went right today. We're going to talk about what went wrong today. We're going to talk about what I think needs to change. Because I believe the Mississippi State coaching staff today got a lesson in, you know, SEC recruiting. You know, and it's easy to get all caught up and say old Miss, old Miss. But let's be honest, LSU took two from us here on National Signing Day. And Avanti Q Strong decommits late yesterday and then signs on with LSU today. And so it's not just an egg bowl recruiting rivalry deal. You know, we've got to be better on all fronts. And so we'll get into some of that a little bit later in the show. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and try to put lipstick on a pig. I'm also not going to sit here and uh, focus on all the negative and then forget all of the guys that uh, stayed true to their word and uh, signed on with Mississippi State and have big careers ahead because I really believe offensively we've done pretty well. I won't say it's a great offensive class, but it has the potential to be a very good one, and then we'll see how some guys develop. But we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Uh, This is not a pity party. It's also not going to be some deal where I sit here and tell you everything is fine because there were some things that happened today that need to be addressed. Some of that by the Mississippi State coaching staff, some of that perhaps by Athletic Director John Cohen, and some of it perhaps with Bracky Brett and Dr. Mark Keenum. There are some things that have to be addressed to protect Mississippi State, uh, but at the end of the day, we can't get outworked on some kids. And in some cases, I think that happens. And we can just sit back and say, well, you know, it's LSU, and we know how Ole Miss is, but that, you know, we've still got to find a way to navigate through that and if we've got issues and we're not going to be able to get a guy to the signing table, we've got to make some moves. And we did some of that, uh, you know, throughout the process. You know, once we got wind that Brandon Buckhalter was indeed going to go ahead and push ahead and flip, we went ahead and committed with Darius Thomas, who still hadn't signed. But I understand that everything's fine there. So we'll see. You know, after today, we've had today. I don't think we can take anything for granted. Uh, we had a situation, you know, with Mikhail and Pounders, and I'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, too. But as soon as he moves out, we plug in Cannon Boone, who flipped from Virginia Tech today. And so we were proactive on some fronts. We weren't proactive on all fronts. And I think we paid for that today. We paid for that today. The good news is we did sign some good players. And it's not like the old recruiting calendar. And you guys know how much I'm, I've been against the early signing period. This is the big benefit of the early signing period for a program like Mississippi State is that we get another swing at this. We get we get a chance to get back off the mat here and go do some things uh, in February, and we definitely need to make some hay on the defensive side of the football. Got to get some D-linemen, got to get some DBs. So that's kind of how it stands uh, right now. 
So let's go ahead and uh, talk about some other things. Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, part of a great family of restaurants, man, that have served the Golden Triangle for many, many, many years. They know exactly what it takes to feed people and create a good environment for dining experience. Go by and see Bulldog Burger Company with two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. It's for everybody. You can have a family night. You can have a night out with the guys or the gals or whatever. You can have a nice glass of wine. You can have a have a cold beer and watch a ball game. In fact, this weekend, if you couldn't get tickets or perhaps you uh, just kind of want to hang around town rather than go to the ball game, maybe it's a little bit cold for your sensibilities, you can have your tailgating location right there at Bulldog Burger Company and congregate with other fans of college football. Make it a whole big deal. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. All right, let's start off with there were three guys we had expected to commit and sign with Mississippi State today that were not on the commitment list yesterday. We went three for three with those guys. At Simeon Price, running back slash wide receiver out of Pensacola, Florida, former South Carolina commitment. Cannon Boone, offensive tackle out of Dickinson High School there in Texas, former Virginia Tech commitment. And then we added wide receiver Antonio Harmon from Kosciuszko. That pretty much shores up the final spots for offense. We could take a sixth offensive lineman if we find the right one. There is a couple transfer possibilities out there. If we can get involved and get those guys to the signing table, probably smart to do so. So let's talk a little bit about some of that. Okay, so when those things happen, you know, when good things happen, because we've talked about before, usually when we go into signing day, the only surprises that are available to us are negative. Well, we picked up three guys, not necessarily surprises, but we added to the class today. Doesn't happen to us very often, but we did it. Simeon Price is a guy with a running back build and a wide receiver pedigree. We think that he is the kind of the new generation of Bulldog backs, a guy that is a little more dynamic. It's not just a one-cut runner that's going to carry the football 25 times between tackle he is a guy that can catch the ball in space and make people miss, and that's been something we've struggled with a little bit this year. That's not to say that Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson won't be great players for us. I certainly expect them to be, but I think that Price brings a little more wiggle in his game. He is a guy that if you watch the film, and I wrote some uh, scouting reports up on these guys earlier today over at Gene's page, and you can see exactly what I'm talking about. Price has great cutting ability. He's a guy that can catch the ball and then get in and out of his breaks very quickly and get back up to full speed. There are a lot of guys out there that catch the ball in, in space, and it takes them uh, you know, a step or two to kind of get going again. That's not necessarily the case with Price. He's very fluid, and I like the fact that uh, Eric Mealy and um, Steve Spurrier Jr. were on him you know, fairly quickly. Shortly after Muschamp was fired, State pounced pretty quick, and that's something a lot of Bulldog fans have talked about. Is, well, I don't understand why we don't go after more teams' commitments after a coaching change. Well, we did, and it looks like we got a couple of them, but Price being a guy that jumps in the boat today, really happy with that get. I think he fits this offense exceptionally well. You know, we're not going to go out there and recruit the traditional running back any longer. It's going to be a little different. It's going to be more of a hybrid player that can be an every down back, a guy that we can use in a multitude of ways and not just hand them the football. Price fits exactly what we want to do with the running back position, and that's what recruiting really is about. It's not just necessarily about rankings. And listen, we want to have the highest ranked class we possibly can. So you know, people say, well, stars don't mean anything. Well, there are some cases that's true, 
like Preston Smith was a two-star. Now he's a multimillionaire. But you know, by and large, if you look at the teams that uh, that win consistently and compete for championships, they're recruiting at a high level. And so we have to get there. When you look at Ken and Boone, this is a guy that was a very highly coveted offensive tackle prospect very early in the process for Mississippi State. In fact, I would submit to you at one point he was probably the top offensive lineman on the board. Commits to Virginia Tech. It was a bit of a surprise. I mean, maybe in the final days we knew that he was going to Virginia Tech. But good on Mason Miller for kind of staying in contact with them and having a bit of a relationship. So when things started going south with Tech, Mississippi State had a spot for him. And the timing on it was very, very fortuitous for Mississippi State. Because right around the time that McKaywin Pounders was part of the nonsense up there, uh, up the road, it ended up costing him a chance to play SEC football. Cannon Boone kind of came back into focus. And I submit to you, Cannon Boone, a better player than McKaywin Pounders. That's not to say I wouldn't take Pounders. I would still take Pounders if I could, but we can't. He signed with Memphis today. I would have taken Pounders for a couple reasons. And maybe we'll talk about some of this too. I would have taken McHale and Pounders because for the next five years, I would have had a guy on my campus that I could use in official visits to tell every Mississippi kid that is choosing between State and Ole Miss exactly what happened to him. And the truth of the matter is, is we don't know all the details about what happened to him. We do know that he got kind of caught up in the carnival uh, that is Ole Miss recruiting at times. And he flipped, and everybody was celebrating the flip miss and that sort of stuff. And then uh, he finds out earlier this week that uh, they're not going to take him. And many of you would laugh and say, well, you know, listen, Steve, you know, the kid kind of brought it on himself. There is some truth in some of that. But the adults in this situation should have done the right thing by the kid. He's a 17-year-old guy. That's who he is. And he shows up at the Bahalia High School uh, filled house to get his pads to go play in a north-south game. Ask his coach, hey, coach, do you have my national letter of intent from Ole Miss? No, I don't. You mean to tell me you don't have it? No, I don't. They get on the phone. They find out Ole Miss not going to take him the day before National Signing Day. That's tacky. There's no other way to put it. But I don't want to make the whole show about them. But I would have taken McKaylin Pounders because I do think that he's good enough to play at Mississippi State. I think he's good enough to play at Ole Miss and certainly good enough to play at Memphis. I don't like how any of this was handled. At the end of the day, and I want to speak down here to language we can all easily understand, to borrow a phrase, this is a young man whose life has been negatively impacted because of some, you know, circle, you know, nonsense, some shell PR game. This is a young man whose life has been toyed with. He has been now denied the opportunity to play SEC football. Not only did that little PR fiasco cost him the opportunity to play at Mississippi State? Ultimately, he didn't have the chance to play at Ole Miss. And uh, the whole thing is tacky. The way that uh, that was used to kind of rub Mississippi State's nose in it, I think it's very tacky because at the end of the day, people forget these are young men. Because we always talk about, you know, being a Bulldog is a lifelong distinction, right? You choose Mississippi State, you come to school here, you play here, you become part of this family, uh, you have your diploma displayed proudly. You use your degree to, uh, to, to better yourself and to, to feed your family. Well, now he doesn't have that opportunity anymore. And some would say, well, Steve, why did Mississippi State go back on him? I can't say that I blame them. It's one of those things, too, when you begin to think about you know, relationships and trust. You know, how could you ever trust Mikhail and Pounders if you're Mike Leach and, and Mason Miller? How can you trust them? Now, granted, he is a 17-year-old kid, and that's one of the things that I, I'll go back to is that uh, – 
you know, he was manipulated in this situation. He was. But I don't fault for Mississippi State for not taking him back. I also would have felt like, honestly, if it was my decision, I would have taken him back because I believe you get some goodwill when it comes to in-state recruiting because there are some high school coaches that have had their eyes on this McKellen Pounders thing. They're not pleased. We talk about how important in-state recruiting is, and I think, you know what, this is a way for us to be the heroes here. This is a way we could have come back and said, you know what, hey, man, we forgive you. It was a mistake. You were manipulated. Come on back. You were good enough to play for us before. You're good enough to play for us now. But I also understand, even at a young age, your word has to mean something. You know, and in many ways, the kid kind of did it to himself. He kind of did it to himself. He very easily could have said, you know what, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. You know, early on, I was told that he, he really didn't have, you know, a huge, you know, favorite in-state between State or Ole Miss. He thought both of those were good opportunities for him. He commits to Mississippi State because he really liked what was happening at Mississippi State and, uh, you know, got caught up in the recruiting games. And so now he's a casualty of that. And one of the things that I've, I've shared many times before, we talk about these flips is by and large the guys that get caught up in the recruiting games, and it's not just with, with Ole Miss. We've had some guys that have flipped from Ole Miss to State that didn't do a whole lot either. But, you know, the guys that kind of emphasize that part of the process, if you want to be part of some clandestine plot that's you know kind of rooted in, in, uh, in deviousness, then, uh, you know, at some point there's a price to pay for karma. And so my hope is that the McKaylin Pounders will uh, go to Memphis, have a great career, get a degree, and – go on to play professional football and feel good about life. But I also think that there's a lot of people connected to him when given the opportunity to talk about how Ole Miss treated him. I know that they're going to speak pretty poorly of the experience. Uh, Speaking of guys that perhaps we benefit from uh, Ole Miss, you know, having the coaching change up there is Antonio Harmon. Antonio Harmon commits to Mississippi State, signs today. People forget that Mississippi State was his first offer, and he thought long and hard about jumping on that very early on. Jim Moorhead and his staff really pushed him to kind of go ahead and get the ball rolling in-state. Jacob Peeler, former Ole Miss wide receiver coach from Kosciuszko, did a really good job to kind of neutralize things and look to have Antonio Harmon leading their way, and then they make the coaching change. Peeler's not retained, and apparently Lane Kiffin and his staff did not share the same evaluation and chose to go in a different direction. And then Antonio Harmon comes full circle. He and Steve Spurrier have uh, maintained a bit of a relationship. And then all of a sudden, we begin to look at this. We want to take a best available on offense. Antonio Harmon's available. We go get him. I think it's a good get. I do. Rated by a nine, as a 90 by 247 Sports. You know, one of the highly, more highly rated kids in the class. And people say, well, you know, Steve, he doesn't have great foot speed. Well, in this scheme and what we're going to ask him to do against all the zone coverage that we're going to face – He's got enough foot speed to do that. He can certainly go out there and run a seven- or nine-yard curl route and sit down in his zone and receive a a pass and then fall forward. He's also a guy that I think can kind of run through the zone. We're not going to ask that guy to run a lot of verticals anyway. That's not a big part of the scheme, right? We just don't do that. And so I think that Antonio Harmon has a place in his offense, and Leach and Spurrier will certainly uh, kind of know how to use him. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, 
we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. But those are things that went right for us today. And of course, you know, you get the rest of your class in. You know, we got a couple of quarterbacks. Obviously, we saw your Robertson, Daniel Greek, two of the first commitments in the class. No drama with either one of those guys. Uh, they both signed. Daniel Greek will be headed to campus next month, and Sawyer Robertson will join him in June after he plays some spring baseball. Offensive line-wise, we wanted to target five offensive linemen. We have five. And, and I, I say it's a good group. I can't say it's a great group. Not, not like anybody really highly recruited in the group outside of Cannon Boone. But you guys know that I'm a big fan of Gabe Cavazos. I think he's the guy that, that you know Mississippi State probably benefits from the fact that he did not have the spring evaluation period or camps. I think if more people had seen him, there would have been more offers. I really like him a lot. Uh, Nick Jones from Bahelia High School by way of East Mississippi Community College. Uh, he's the guy some people tell me they think is the biggest sleeper in the class. They think he has a real chance to be a real player for Mississippi State. Of course, he has three years of eligibility remaining. Uh, Carson Williams is a guy that also have three years and uh, was originally a signee for Arkansas State. Reboots his recruitment, goes to uh, Gulf Coast Community College, and now he's up here. We'll be here in January, and then you begin to factor in the fact that uh, you you got you know you know five guys out there you feel good about. You know uh, you got Cavazos, Albert Reese, of course, a mammoth offensive tackle that uh, recently flipped to State from Rutgers. Been on campus two weekends in a row. We like him. He's also a December grad and will be here in January. So to run the math for you on that, that's Cavazos, Nick Jones, Carson Williams, and Albert Reese. It'll be here in January. Uh, Ken and Boone, a spring grad, and will join the program uh, in June. That wide receiver class, of course, uh, you know, Teddy Knox really never wavered. We never had a problem with him despite some reports to the contrary. Uh, Teddy Knox was constantly in, in, in contact with our staff on a daily basis. Uh, I understand his grandmother even ordered a Knox Mississippi State jersey to wear at the press conference today. That's really cool, too. We talked about Antonio Harmon, but uh, I think Jacoby Moore might be one of those guys you look at three years from now and you're thinking, how in the world do we get this kid? Really excited about him. I like his catch radius. I like his speed. I think he is everything that you want, an outside receiver. And I think we've done exceptionally well getting him in the boat when we did because he had talked about a national signing day decision. We went ahead and got him in, allowed us to get a little juice in the state. Uh, excited about what he brings to the table. 
And then you talk, you know, rah-rah with Darius Thomas. You know, I'm told everything is fine with him, but I'll feel a whole lot better when that's final and over with. That's my tell me earlier. Yeah, he's going to sign today, but he's not going to tweet anything out. I don't know what that's about, but uh, be that as it may, those are four receivers you feel good about. So you tar you wanted four receivers. You wanted one running back. You wanted five offensive linemen. You wanted two quarterbacks. You got them all. I think we've met our needs on offense. I think we can feel really good about uh, what we've wanted to do. One of the things about those offensive linemen that impresses me is their length. You know, we're out here right now. We've got some, you know, some stubby square body type guys on the interior. And if we're going to play those wider splits, you got to have some guys that have some length as well as some girth. And I think that's exactly what we've gotten with these five. I think we're going to have a real opportunity to kind of run this offense in the years ahead, how it was intended to be run. And we talk so much about quarterback play and we talk about wide receiver inexperience. It all starts up front. It does. It all starts up front. As long as we can protect, it's going to give those receivers time to find holes in zone. It's going to give quarterbacks time to deliver the football. It all starts up front. I like the fact that we made a major commitment to the offensive line, and so I feel really good about the offense. Now, defensively, we've got some work to do. I think we'd all agree there. Trevon Marshall, Randy Charlton, that's a Central Florida defensive end transfer. Both of those guys signed today. Still waiting on Ty Cooper, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, you know, I'm disappointed that he didn't go ahead and sign. It's one of those things you look at and say, you know, why would, we, why would he wait? Why would he wait? Well, one of the reasons I think he's waiting is because I think, you know, deep down, he, he just kind of wants to see what his options are. But I understand the frustration on behalf of Mississippi State folks. But here's the deal. It really doesn't matter when you get him as long as you get him. But you also can't run the risk of losing other players. And that's why I think Deontay Anderson has become a huge priority. Uh, he is going to announce on January 2nd. If I had to call it today, I expect him to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. And I think that is a great get. He's out of Fort Meade, Florida. He is a guy that's got a relationship with Jamar Chaney. And you got to get two, two defensive ends. So you hope to get Ty Cooper. Uh, I think at this point we expect to get Deontay. And then uh, linebacker-wise, I think that's probably the strength of the defensive class. I think we would all feel that way, even though that Navante Q. Strong signed on with LSU. Tamar Rogers, Mizell Williams' friend, stuck with his commitment, signed on with State. Uh, Deshaun Page, a former Texas Tech commitment, an inside linebacker. And people say, well, who's going to play Mike? I think he's going to play Mike. I mean, it's, we're, not, we're not getting these beefy, stubby, former Alabama, you know, Bear Bryant linebackers anymore. The game has evolved. The, you know, the modern-day Mike linebacker is a guy that can really run and has some length. Go look at what Georgia does at linebacker. That's what we want to be, even with a 3-3-5. Deshaun Page, absolutely a great player. John Lewis, a guy that, uh, listen, I give John Lewis a lot of credit because there are a lot of Ole Miss people that thought they were going to get him, and then they thought it wasn't over, but it was over, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that the family was completely resolved in the commitment. Happy to have him as part of the class, uh, to say the least. Uh, I think this is a very good group of linebackers. Nick Mitchell, of course, uh, flipped from Temple to Mississippi State at a Mandarin High School there in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I like his game. When we first committed him, I went and watched film of him and did a little scouting report on him, and I was a little bit surprised he didn't have more Power 5 looks. He did have several offers, mostly G5s, but I like this linebacker group not just for now but for later. I would have liked it more if we'd had Navante Q. Strong. You know, five linebackers is a big commitment, but, you know, Zach Arnett's uh, a guy out there, you know, making uh, making hay on defense. Let, let the coach get what he wants. But 
I think you're fine with those four backers. I really like John Lewis at the Sam linebacker position. I think that he is going to be an absolute star for us. I like all these guys. I really do. Now, Tamar Rogers, I'll be honest with you, I was a little unsure about him when we committed him, but I do think his senior film was much better. And he is a guy that, that tackles well in space. And against all these spread option offenses, that's kind of the case. You've got to be able to tackle in space or it's going to be a big play. Still got a lot of work to do in the secondary. Got more to do now since MJ Daniels flipped to Ole Miss. And uh, that's one of those things that we look at, and we'll talk more about that later. But when you begin to run this thing down here, that's where state's biggest needs are heading into January is the fact that, uh, you know, defensive back-wise, we don't have much to work with. You know, initially, I really loved the safety class, but, uh, you know, we're not, we're not where we were. We've lost some guys. So let's run it down here. Corey Ellington out of Holmes County Science, but, you know, he's a developmental guy. I mean, I, mean, I like his game. He's got great length. He, he has a nose for the football, but you know, he's not the most fluid of athletes. Got to get him in the, uh, you know, in the weight room and work on flexibility a little bit. Um, and that's it. Those are your DBs. That's it. Corey Ellington. Justin Wiley signed on with Minnesota, which is one of the weirdest things that has ever happened, I guess, since I've been covering recruiting, that a kid from D'Iberville, Mississippi, would sign with Minnesota without ever seeing the campus, has never laid eyes in person on a coach or staffer from Minnesota. He is about as far away from home as he can get. It's insane to think about how it unfolded, but it did. And, and as one of the, the astute posters on Gene's page pointed out, you know, a lot of these guys that we had connections with uh, didn't come here. You know, and MJ Daniels, his cousins with Dylan Lawrence. Uh, Justin Wally is Jaden Wally's brother. He didn't come. I mean, you could run all the way down the list. There are several of these people that, uh, you know, were, were at some point targeted by Mississippi State that had connections to our program that uh, didn't follow through. And that's one of the things the staff's got to do a better job with. You've got to be able to leverage those personal relationships to get those guys in the boat. I mean, you know, Justin Wally, obviously, at a position of need, you start running this thing back and you begin to realize we're re- we got to rebuild the secondary. And you look at what we have returning and you feel like, okay, frontline guys, I think we're going to be okay. But what about the rest of it? Uh, you know, we've got to go get J- Jadarius Perkins. That's going to be a fight, but he's going to announce on Christmas Day. You know, the hope is you get him, but there's no guarantees. You know, all the crystal balls – or uh, set for Mississippi State. You know, State had the juice right after he decommitted from Oregon, but then all of a sudden he began to add other offers. It's going to be a fight to get him. I'm just laying it out there. It's the truth. It's going to be a fight to get that kid. It really is. Jonathan Alexander, grad transfer from Kansas State. That situation appeared to be off and running, but that has really cooled a lot here in the last few days. I understood that Alexander and Perkins was likely an either-or situation. Now with Daniels gone, I think you would take them both if you could get them. But that's kind of where we are right now. We've got to go out especially and get some safeties. Again, we had a pretty good safety class put together, I thought, with MJ Daniels, Mizell Williams, and Corey Ellington. You drop Mizell, MJ flips, and now you're left with Corey Ellington. And the guy, and listen, I like his game, but he is a developmental guy. And so we've got to go out and probably hit the portal pretty hard uh, that's one good thing that we'll have. You know, there's some other people out there that got pretty close to full. We've got plenty of room to work with because we added three players, and then in the last 36 hours we lost three players. And the hope was is that we would be able to get through today and have about four spots to work with. Well, we don't. we got seven spots to work with. 
And uh, so, we'll, you know, we've got some some options that we can offer people, but uh, this is a position that is not enviable for sure. You would like to have gotten the majority of your class, which we did get the majority, but we didn't want to have this much work left to do post-December. Now you're, now you're going to be chasing some guys, too. They're going to be over-offered because of the fact that everybody else that missed out on these players are going to be getting crazy with it, too. And so you begin to go back and look at this, you know, what do, what do you do? you know, with, uh, you know, with the options that you have. Again, I think Deontay Anderson is going to be in the class at defensive end. And if you can get Ty Cooper, your needs are met there. But if you can't get Ty, you got to get somebody else. Maybe you go get Zakia Strong, junior college player. Maybe that's the direction you go. But you got to go out and get two defensive ends, period, in addition to what you've already signed. And you basically got to go out there and, and probably sign, you know, three to four defensive backs, if not more. Maybe you get a 6-0 line if you can get a good one. But, uh, you know, we've got it. We've got some glaring needs in the secondary long term from a depth standpoint, and that's got to be addressed in the weeks that remain in the college football recruiting process. And the good thing about it is it's not the traditional recruiting calendar, so at least we have some time to work. At least we have some time to kind of run these things through, find some other prospects, guys that didn't sign in December, and, uh, you know, there will be some increased competition for some, but there will be others that we ought to be able to get without much of a fight. But we'll see how it works. I've always said there is still some value in the February signing period. You'll have to look to find it, and you're going to have to compete to get it. But there will still be some value. You know, State went out last year and signed a few guys uh, in the December signing period. It wasn't exactly what we had, uh, it wasn't exactly, you know, game changing type players. But, uh, you know, the hope is this year with so many guys, uh, you know, decommitting and making some changes late and electing to sign in February that we'll have a chance to go find some value. And that's another thing people forget, too, is there's going to be a lot of players playing in junior college this spring. And those guys will still have three years to play as well. So we'll see how things progress. But um, I think we have the makings of a good class. I thought we had a good class before we had all this attrition. And, uh, again, that's part of the process. But uh, it seems that it happens to us a lot more than it happens to other people, regardless of who the coaches are. But as we go through this process, everybody learns. I know in the very beginning, Sylvester Kroon uh, admitted himself that uh, he was a little bit naive at times. It's been a long time since he had coached and recruited high school players, and he was used to dealing with professionals. And it took some time, took him a couple of years to kind of figure this recruiting thing out. The same could be said for Dan Mullen. You know, at, at some point, every coach at Mississippi State's had their pants pulled down on signing day by Ole Miss. It happened Joe Moorhead's very first year. You remember uh, James Williams from Callaway, longtime Mississippi State commitment, flipped to Ole Miss and never played it down, didn't qualify, and now he's out of football. But he served his purpose. He was all, again, part of that PR shell game. But Joe learned from it. Joe learned from it, and last year Joe locked things down. But every coach goes through this. Every coach has an embarrassing moment on signing day uh, at the expense of, uh, you know, the fan base. I mean, you know, Ole Miss, listen, I give them credit. They work at this. They work at trying to embarrass us and show us who's boss on signing day. They do. And, and I'll be honest with you, I respect the effort a little bit because you get a lot of juice on signing day, and then you get a little more by sticking to your rival a little bit. And there are a lot of people out there like, you know, listen, Lane Kiffin's tweeting this and retweeting that. Listen, the only way to stop that stuff is to beat them. Simple as that. 
I mean, you're not going to send him a message and say, hey, Land, you hurt our feelings. You know, they won the egg. And then they embarrassed us down the stretch and uh, on signing day today with MJ Daniels. Even though a lot of people were kind of prepared for the possibility, it doesn't make it any less significant. He's still going to go play for them. And so, you know, the only thing that people like that respond to is annihilation. you got to go beat them. And you, and you can't just go win a ball game 27-24. you got to go do what uh, Mike Leach did to Dennis Franchione at A&M. That's what you got to go do. You can go look that game up and you can look that score up and you see for yourself. you got to be vindictive. you got to turn a knife. You, you don't do your best talking on Twitter. You don't do it. You don't do it. You go do it when it matters most. And you got to beat them. Simple as that. You got to win. You want to shut them up, you beat them. When they win, you just kind of kind of sit back and take it a little bit. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, top tens list. Today's top ten list brought to you by the folks at MyBookie. A different category for us today. MyBookie kind of specializes in uh, a variety of things. But, uh, you know, if you want some skin in the game, they're, they're eager to help you. And the convenience of using uh, their service, uh, very, very, very easy to use them. And it's clear that uh, Santa Claus is granting our Christmas wishes. We're going to get NBA and NFL action on Christmas Day. How cool is that? The place to bet on both of those events is my bookie, the only sports book that doesn't care if you've been naughty or nice. They got gifts for everybody. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer up to $1,000 in bonus cash for free. That's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And this year, my bookie's given you not one, not two, but six days of giveaways. From December 22nd to December 26th, they're hooking up players with deals and promotions so exciting, we can't even talk about them on the air. Seriously, we don't know anything about it. It's all their secret. You got to sign up and see for yourself. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code BONEYARD, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. You heard that right. You deposit 200 bucks, they're going to give you an additional 100 bucks to play with, so you're playing with house money right out of the gate. Head over to my bookie to make the most of the holidays with this year with six days of giveaways. This winter, bet with the best, bet with my bookie. And again, that's promo code Boneyard. So today's top 10 list uh, suggestion brought to you by our uh, our compatriot, Roy Samante, who uh, said, hey, Steve, I was so inspired by the new edition tree. What if you did the traveling Wilburys? And so and people say, Steve, who are the traveling Wilburys? Some of you young cats don't know. So the Traveling Wilburys was a super group made up of people that have sold, you know, my goodness, hundreds of thousands of records. Bob Dylan in the band, George Harrison from the Beatles, Jeff Lynn from ELO, Roy Orbison, and Tom Patty. That's a band. That's a lot of people that sold a lot of records, and they got together, and they recorded some albums together. So from their tree, here's what I did. I picked two songs from each of those five artists, and that comprised your top ten, and then I made my I ranked them by my favorites. So number ten is You Got It by Roy Orbison, which is one of his last big hits. You know, Roy had a big career back in the 50s and then kind of had a, a, you know, a revival of sorts you know, there in the late 80s, and You Got It was a big hit for him. A lot of people... Uh, from the baby boomer generation, remembered him, you know, from you know, from his his sock hop days. Uh, number nine from ELO, probably should have put this one higher on the list, but it's "Don't Bring Me Down" by ELO. I, I love the ELO sound. I, re- I really do. They are an underappreciated American rock band. ELO, you younger cats don't fully appreciate them. Go check them out. Number eight, the classic, the legendary Bob Dylan. 
like a Rolling Stone. And for those of you who don't know the magazine Rolling Stone, named after this song. Number seven, Free Falling from Tom Petty. We've had a Tom Petty category on here. And to be honest with you, I couldn't remember what number one was. I think I know. But Free Falling uh, had a, a big run after the Jerry Maguire movie, too. Number six, uh, and George Harrison had some good solo hits, but I went with one that he wrote for the Beatles. It's Here Comes the Sun. Love that track. And he wrote, unless he wrote several more, too. George Harrison was a great songwriter. I think Here Comes the Sun is one of those kind of upbeat songs that you get up to in the morning and you can feel good about life. Going back to, going back to George Harrison, his favorite, my favorite solo song of his and there was a, an incredible music video for this. And you owe it to yourself to go watch it on YouTube if you've never seen it. But it's Got My Mind Set on You by George Harrison. Some incredible percussion on that. Love the beat. Good driving beat there. Number, number four, back to the ELO catalog. If you know ELO, you probably know what I'm going to say. It's Evil Woman. We've all been there, too. The great guitar man, Jeff Lynne, really gets after it. And I really like the vocals on, on the ELO stuff. Probably like this one the best. Some pretty cool kind of muted harmonies a little bit. It's interesting what they did production-wise on the, that chorus because uh, it is a harmony, but it's kind of, it's a little different. It's a little different. Number three, I could easily have gone number one with this one because I love GNR's version. I love Heaven's version. But you go back to the original, it's Bob Dylan's Knocking on Heaven's Door. That's the best Bob Dylan song to me. I think it's without a doubt the best thing he ever wrote. I mean, some could say I long to watch Tower, and I get that too. I think knocking on heaven's door, maybe it's because it was so familiar to me because of uh, listening to GNR's version all those years, but uh, I love knocking on heaven's door. Number two, it's Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison. Great track, man. It's And, and again, it's been covered by a lot of people, but Van Halen did it right on Diver Down. Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison, probably his signature hit. Oh, Pretty Woman. That's probably the one that when people think of Roy Orbison, it's number one. But number one on my list is a Tom Petty classic. I won't back down. You can stand me up to the gates of hell, and I won't back down. That's your top ten list from Traveling Wilburys. Again, this Friday, a top ten list covering the catalog of one of the greatest guitarists in rock and roll. Still living. Still living. Looking forward to that. And I know I've got some players on the, on the listenership here, people to kind of keep in contact with what we got going on here. You're not going to want to miss Friday. All right, so let's get into, um, you know, who else we got. I guess we'll talk a little more about this. Uh, I guess we don't. Let's go ahead and get into what went wrong. Let's talk about Navanta Q. Strong. So that broke on yesterday. Now, we have been hearing for a while it was a possibility. Shortly after LSU offered, I was told that he kind of got started riding the pink cloud a little bit and caught up in the bright lights. But that over time, it kind of faded a little bit, and it looked like he was going to be okay because he had a great relationship with Zach Arnett. He understood that Errol Thompson was likely leaving this year. He had a chance to step right in and make plays as a Mike linebacker next year. I understand here in the final days that LSU just – Turn the bright lights back on, and you, you know Ed Orsron. You know what a great recruiter he is, and that Ed took a personal interest in this thing and got the thing done. But Navanta Q. Strong, of all the losses that we had over the course of this recruiting cycle, that's to me, that's one of the ones that stings the most, not just because of his ability, because he is a very good player. 
but because we have a real need there. Now, the good thing is we did sign four linebackers, so we have some numbers. We're going to be able to plug some guys in there. I think, I think we'll be okay there. But I, I really like Nabontaku Strong. I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and throw shade at a kid's ability because he goes somewhere else. That's just not how I'm built. He was good enough for us yesterday. He's good enough today. I know I've read some comments. And people say, well, you know, we didn't really need him. Well, if we didn't need him, we wouldn't have went out and signed him. And it stings even more because of the three-year rule, right? Because now that this year doesn't count for junior college prospects, we would have had him for three years. So all of these guys would have been together for at least three years. And so you lose kind of some continuity as a result of that. But, again, I think Devontae Strong is a big hitter. I think that uh, I think he's an SEC-type guy. He, he is a little bit shorter than listed. Okay, I mean, that, so he's, he's not going to have those great in NFL measurables. And so as a result, I think he's a guy that will hang around his full career. That's not to say that he won't get an opportunity to play in the National Football League, but I don't think he's one of those guys that's probably, you know, a day one or a day two type selection. But I really like his game, and I would have loved to have watched him play at Mississippi State. So, uh, and again, our more immediate need, you know, more so than what we need with a true freshman DB or a wide receiver is the fact that we would have had an experienced guy that actually grew up cheering for Mississippi State. It's not going to be playing against us in an LSU. Uh, I can't speak for anybody else, and, and you never know how you're going to react in certain situations, but I, I can assure you that none of the children that reside in this household will be going anywhere other than Mississippi State unless they get an athletic scholarship or an academic scholarship that exceeds uh, what they have at Mississippi State. But if we're on a level playing field, uh, these youngins of mine are going to Mississippi State. And my oldest one played college baseball. My two girls are at State now, and I've got one more to go. And uh, he'll be a Bulldog as well. So uh, my kids were raised to be Bulldogs, and Bulldogs they shall be. All right, uh, Malik Neighbors, again, this has been something that we have worried about ever since LSU offered. That was always a discussion prior to him committing, is that, you know what, the kid was going to make LSU tell him no before he committed to anybody. Well, I think he got tired of LSU slow playing him. He went ahead and committed to Mississippi State, and then LSU offers him the day of the state LSU game. And you may recall that he tweeted out a picture of him in Mississippi State sweatpants with uh, you know, a picture of, uh, of the game and said, Hell State. Well, everything was fine, even as late as last night. Shay Dixon, one of the uh, co-publishers of the Argo 247 site, the LSU site on 247 Sports, Shay is married to Emily Villery Dixon, who works in the LSU football office. So obviously, uh, you know, he's intimately connected in more ways than one. And so Shay says last night, Malik Neighbors is going to stick with Mississippi State. Didn't look like they were going to have room for Malik. They didn't even send him a national letter of intent yesterday. That's where some of our optimism came from, is that as of yesterday, Malik had a national letter of intent for Mississippi State, did not have one from LSU. So it did not look like LSU was going to have room for him or make him a priority late. Well, then LSU has a linebacker flip to Alabama. A spot becomes available, and they send Malik the scholarship paperwork today. And people said, I, I kind of laughed when they said, oh, you know, scholarship papers are on the way. Well, maybe you won't sign them. They would not have sent them without the commitment. They would not have sent them not knowing he was going to sign them. I hate it for our staff. I hate it for Mason Smith. I hate it for everybody involved. But the reality of this is, is we're not going to beat LSU on a kid they really want. That's the reality of it. They're LSU, and we're not. 
and they're going to get the kids in state because the pressure to be a tiger is incredible. And it's a lot of it's positive peer pressure. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know what? I know I'm going to be a hero to all the people in my neighborhood. I know that everybody that I know is going to be so excited because I'm going to play in Tiger Stadium. It's a big deal. It is, I've lived there. I lived in Louisiana for 18 years. And I can tell you that everybody in that state thinks LSU is the greatest thing that ever happened. Even when things aren't going well, they are still in your face saying, go Tigers. It's almost like a cult. It's incredible. And so it's almost impossible for those in-state kids to say no to LSU. And when LSU loses a recruiting battle, it's not the state or Ole Miss or Arkansas. It's not. It's the Alabama. It's the Ohio State. It's the Florida. They don't lose to mid-level SEC teams. They just don't. And not with that Oars run at the helm. Even when Les Miles there, they did a great job recruiting. Because a lot of times it's your alumni recruiting for you and not necessarily offering impermissible benefits. There's just such a positive, you know, reinforcement of that Tiger program for those kids to go to LSU. When they walk up and down the hall hallways, everybody's like, hey, man, go to LSU. I mean, go to LSU. It's all they ever hear is go to LSU. And so league neighbors go on LSU. Yeah, that's the thing you begin to think about. You know, we were a little proactive with all this, and I, I like the fact that we locked up Antonio Harmon as the best available just in case. Makes sense to me. Again, it shows that we were proactive, but we got beat. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, there's going to be money involved there." Nah, it's, I, I don't believe that. Not with that kid. I don't believe that at all. I think we got beat. This is a kid that lives within an hour of the, of the LSU campus that always wanted to go to LSU. And I think it was just too difficult on him to, to, to call our staff and especially Mason Smith and say, you know what, I'm not coming. So I think he put that off as long as he possibly could. You know, should we have done some other things? Maybe. I don't know. You got to read the tea leaves a little bit. But you move on. MJ Daniels, uh, that's something that we've been worried about. You know, I was worried about it for a while. And then he tweets out the graphic about, hey, I'm, I'm locked in or whatever. And then within less than 24 hours, I'm getting reports down from George County that it's World War III down there, that it's absolutely going nuts down there. And listen, I know Yancey Porter and those guys put out there, hey, we think he's going to sign. Well, but I didn't believe any of that. I've been around the game too long to know. There's a lot of misinformation that comes out late, even from media people. And I shared this on Gene's page. A lot of times the only way we're going to be able to get a kid is if they think they have him. You, know, you have to let them believe they have him. That's what happened with Jeff Simmons. We let them believe that they had Jeff Simmons until it was too late. And for those of you that don't know, Jeff Simmons told me on the Sunday before National Signing Day that he wasn't going to Ole Miss, but not to tell anybody. So I didn't. Now some would say, well, Steve, if you have any journalistic integrity, you should have reported that. Well, if the kid tells me this in confidence, I'm not going to report it. I'm not going to break the confidence of a guy that I'm probably going to cover for the next four to five years. And so we just kind of let it go from Sunday all the way down to Wednesday. Talked to uh, one of Jeff's coaches that Monday, told me the same thing. He said, hey, it's down between State and Alabama. Ole Miss is out. Ole Miss people still believed they were going to get him. And to be honest with you, probably the only way we got Jeff Simmons was to let Ole Miss think they had him. We even let Alabama believe that. And what's incredible is when Nick Saban called down there and spoke to one of the coaches at Knoxville County, they said, hey, it's between you guys and Mississippi State. He said, Mississippi State? I thought it was Ole Miss. That's a great job of recruiting. 
It's like uh, I'm not a Little Wayne fan, but I'm I'm admirer of this phrase where he says, you know, real G's move in silence like a G in lasagna. That's how you get things done. And so when I see, like when I saw Yancey make that post, I thought, you know, I know what's up here. I know because I knew to, I knew what was going on behind the scenes. I knew. And I guess the hope was is that we would all, you know, take that. You know, of course, you know, our people are knee deep in the fight. You know, wasn't a surprise to any of us. I mean, I wasn't surprised. And I've reported for the last several days that I was worried about MJ Daniels. As a matter of fact, I wrote an article yesterday, what to expect. And the two guys that I put that we were sweating out the most were MJ Daniels and Malik Neighbors, and both of them flip on us. I'm also not going to talk poorly of MJ Daniels uh, or his ability. I think MJ Daniels is a really good player. I do think that he might be a tad bit overrated because of the fact, and, and don't misunderstand me, I'm not trying to diminish his ability, but I think that he has probably received a little more hype than normal because it's a very thin year in state this year. I think he benefits from that. And you look at that and say, okay, well, and, and, and listen, the kid's an All-American. And so, but I think that there was probably, if there had been more DBs in the state this year, there's probably not this signing day circus with him. Does that make sense? Because if there's more to go around, we would just go get our guys, they would get their guys, and then we would all just kind of move forward. Uh, I do think MJ Daniels will eventually be a safety. And one of the things that I have learned from our folks, and uh, I, I mentioned you guys as our folks, is when things go wrong, we want to find somebody to blame. It's not always somebody's fault. It's not. I mean, it's just so, sometimes things don't work out. And this is one of those situations here where we all felt good about it about a week to 10 days ago. But as I share with you guys many times, the recruiting process for many doesn't, doesn't begin until the last 10 days of the process. Closing has been especially difficult for Mississippi State. One of the reasons why closing is difficult for us is we're not going to do some of the things some other schools are. And I know that frustrates some of you, but you may recall that we're also on probation. And uh, I've always felt like that uh, if we get out there and, and, and be somebody that we're not, chances are we're going to get caught. We're not really good cheaters anyway. It seems like every time we do something stupid, we get caught. But that's what went wrong for us. And so now we kind of move forward. And again, we got to go get us a couple DNs. We got to go get some DBs. The, the lion's share of what's left in this class is on the defensive side of the football. And our defensive coaches got to pick it up a little bit. Okay, listen, I think Jason Washington, Darcel McBath, Arnett, Arnett took care of his group, and uh, Phelps are all good coaches. There weren't a lot of defensive line names in the offer conversation. That's one thing I'll say about Mason Miller. You can say what you want to. He did go get five guys. They are mostly developmental guys. But every time I turned around, there was a new offer for an offensive lineman. And so we're all, we offered a ton of kids to get five, and we got five. I didn't see a lot of offers for defensive linemen throughout this process. So I think we have got to be a little more aggressive and liberal when it comes to offering defensive linemen. I think that's got to change, especially next year when it's such a strong year in-state, especially with a defensive line. All right, Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show. You need to go by and see Stan the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. I'll be there this weekend. Come by and see me as well. If you can't make it to town, they'll take care of you on the Internet. You can use Al Gore's Internet and go to campusbookmart.net and order whatever you'd like. All kind of cool stuff, all kind of Mississippi State stuff. They got novelty items. They got clothing. Anything you want to make every Mississippi State fan on your list happy is right there at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal bond, your yard listener, 
We'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And time is running out. Time is running out for you to get your orders in before Christmas and have them delivered. Today's the 16th. You got nine days left uh, for Christmas. A couple of things that I want to talk about in this class, too. You know, people always say, well, Steve, who do you like? You know, who, who's a reach? You know, and so let me, let me give you a couple of those, too. That's one of the things that Hey Dad and I used to talk about. Who is, who's the guy that you, you know, maybe, maybe think is a reach? Okay, the, the, the one guy that I'll tell you is a, a bona fide stud is quarterback Sawyer Robertson. He signed the day. There was no fanfare with him. Once he committed, and that was the big thing, too, is he wanted to take some visits, wasn't able to take them. He committed to Mississippi State, shut down the recruiting process. You never heard anything else out there about Sawyer Robertson. You know, people saying, hey, well, you know, Texas may try to get him. And that's the thing, too. When we talk about losing flips, you never want to lose anybody. But if you lost a guy like Sawyer Robertson, that, that's the kind of thing that changes the trajectory of your program. Sawyer Robertson is the highest-rated quarterback ever signed by Mississippi State, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Put up some ridiculous numbers last week with nine touchdowns. He had eight in the first half, and then they pulled him in the fourth quarter. Started running the football. We've talked about uh, Teddy Knox, Antonio Harmon. Uh, John Lewis is a guy that I think is going to be a difference maker. I think he's an NFL guy. I really do. Big, big fan of his. And at one point, I had people calling me trying to help, trying to ask me to help me get him offered by other schools. Said, hey, Steve, this is a kid, doesn't have any offers. He's an SEC guy, probably an NFL player. There was some thought he might not qualify. He's on track now. So I reached out to some friends at UL Lafayette. I reached out to some friends at Southern Miss and a couple other schools. And uh, people were like, there's no way this kid's coming here. He's not. I mean, it's like there were a lot of people who were telling me, you know, Steve, you know, listen, he'll take anything. You know, he, he just wants a chance to go play college football. And then next thing you know, the big boys roll in, Florida State, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. This is a good get for State. He's a late bloomer. He was a good player as a junior, a great player as a senior. I'm a big fan of his, to say the least. You know, the guy that I worried about the most is probably uh, Tamar Rogers, and I felt a little bit better about him with his senior film. I do think Corey Ellington kind of benefits from being an in-state guy. I think he is a developmental guy, but he's, he's long and lean, 6'3", 190. He needs to get in the weight room. Uh, a little worried about him. I do think probably the biggest sleeper in my mind, and he's not a sleeper to you guys, we talked about him so much, is Gabe Cavazos. It's a guy that didn't have many offers at all, and I think that he is a guy that's going to surprise. I think he's a three-year starter for Mississippi State, provided he stays healthy. He is a mean-spirited individual. Really, really excited about his future. Uh, but those are the guys that I'm really excited about. I mean, listen, there's nobody in the class I would look at right now and say, okay, I'm going to throw those guys back. It's just not how it works. We're going to have to wrap this thing up shortly. I'm about to have to go join the Mike Leach press conference and go see what Mike's got to say about the class. And so you guys can watch all that later on over on jeanspage.com. We'll have a Q&A, have a full transcription of everything Mike Leach had to say. Uh, I really like the class. I like the pieces, but it's still a work in progress. And I think that's the important thing to remember right now is that it's not finished. We've got to go out there and get some guys, and I think we're going to probably go get some uh, some guys out of the portal in February. So there will be some new names that will pop up, and I think there's some guys out there that can come in next year and help us be a better football team. 
We probably need to go get maybe one young guy, put it in the developmental pipeline, but we need some guys. You guys have seen a secondary play, and we've been pretty good, but we've had some busts at times. Probably need to add some competition to the room. I think that's the big focus kind of moving forward. I expect Deontay Anderson to be in the class. you got to go out and get one more DN, and then you've got to spend some time on some, uh, some guys in the secondary, probably some transfer guys, and then some guys uh, from the high school ranks that can come in, come in and develop. Uh, so we'll kind of see how things progress. You know, Calvin Johnson, the second's a guy that we're still after, and Ty Cooper, of course. And so there are still some names you know, but there will be some new names uh, later in this process. I remind you, too, Portico, run by our good friend Brooks Bryan. And uh, Brooks, one of the developers within that group, and I'd encourage you, give Brooks a call to learn more about Portico. Let me give you Brooks's number if you don't already have it. You could probably find it uh, a lot of different places, but let me give it directly since we're friends here. Brooks' number is 601-416-8075. If you're looking to make Starkville your home, or perhaps you're looking to move uh, from one area of uh, Stark Vegas to another, then uh, give the folks of Portico a chance to, uh, to help you out here. Located just off Garrett Road behind Hilton Garden and the Chrysler Jeep dealership, 1.1 miles from campus. Easy access to both Highway 82 and 25. Going to be a big complex, but not too big. 51 houses total, 18 are already in the first phase. And uh, those are nearing move-in condition. And then you've got 33 houses in the second phase. A lot of that will take place next year. Houses to fit every family and every need. 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. So if you're a growing family, they've got options for you. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. Again, give Brooks a call. He'll be happy to help you. All right, I am nearing the end of the uh, fall book tour, and I'm uh, very grateful for all you folks who have come out and spent some time and some money with us and just come by and said hello and shared your favorite stories uh, that, that I've been able to write. And uh, if you have not done so, you can go to alphadogsthebook.com and you can still order in time for Christmas. I'd encourage you to do it now, like today. <laughs> I signed over 200 books uh, here a couple days ago and then had to go back and sign about 50 more yesterday. And so we've got a lot of these orders coming in. Supplies are getting somewhat limited, especially if you want Alpha Dogs. You can get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Starkville ones, and Alpha Dogs all at alphadogsthebook.com. All right, whatever you want. But if you want to get it for Christmas, you got to come to a book signing or you got to order online. I'll be at Maroon and Company Friday evening. I'll be at uh, Campus Bookmart in the Lodge on Saturday and then at Bookmart Cafe on Sunday. Don't have anything booked for next week, but I'm sure I'll be somewhere local. I've taken my last trip this year until we go to a bowl game. That's right. So listen, let me get out of here. i got to jump on the Mike Leach Press here. Listen, love you guys all very, very much. Thanks for your support. And we look forward to providing some recruiting updates uh, here in the weeks to come as we put the finishing, finishing touches on this class. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.